welcome to the Beef Watch Podcast. I'm Aaron Berger, a Nebraska Extension Beef Educator. For today's Beef Watch Podcast, we're going to take a break from our usual format of discussing Beef Watch newsletter articles. In today's Beef Watch Podcast, we're going to talk about the most recent USDA reports released looking at hay stocks as well as cow-calf inventory. To discuss this topic, I'm joined today by Caitlin McCulloch, who's the Director and Senior Economist at the Livestock Market Information Center based in Lakewood, Colorado. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Aaron. Well, I think both of these reports were much anticipated and really in general probably fell in line with what people expected in terms of hay stocks and beef cow numbers being lower than they were a year ago. But as you look at these numbers and you look at the the numbers where they're at in terms of from a historic perspective, share with us your thoughts on the implication of these numbers as we go forward. What's going to be shaping the markets for cow-calf producers as we look at 2023? Well, this report is, it's always nice to confirm what you're already expecting. And as you mentioned, uh, the cattle inventory report didn't hold a, too many surprises for the industry. You know, total cattle was down about 2.8 million head nationally. And the change in beef cows was down about a million head. Now, that can have diff- different implications depending on where you are in the U.S. Um, for example, the drought in 2022 largely centered around some of the states that we have some of the most cows in. And so we saw maybe some bigger swings in a total number basis than we saw in the last two years. And some of the Western states that had seen large percent changes uh, in previous the previous two years maybe didn't see as big of changes. I thought there was a couple interesting pieces that came out of the cattle inventory report. And as much as it was in line with expectations, there were a few key elements that I, I'd like to bring, bring up. And um, the first is probably small grain grazing, which is primarily going to be in the Southern Plains. That was really expected to be down probably more than 10%. And it was only down about 5%. And so what that means is maybe we're going to have a few more placements than we thought, uh, coming out in that May, June timeframe. Um, and if anyone has looked at the cattle on feed numbers, we were thinking we were going to be very short during that timeframe in terms of placements. Now it's looking a little bit better. And so there's there's some shorter term implications, but longer term, we probably are looking at a cattle cycle that is going to be in a decline until at least probably 2025. Now, I, I know that sounds a long way out, and how can I be certain? Obviously, nothing's certain, but the beef replacement number was down about 5.8%. And what's different from this year, or this drought, I should say, compared to that 2011-2012 drought, is just the sheer number of heifers we've moved into the beef slaughter supply chain as opposed to holding them out on grass or or putting them in feed yards to grow them out or and and possibly use them in at another time this really has been unique to this situation in that we have actively been slaughtering a much higher proportion of heifers than we have in the last cattle cycle and so what that tells me is that 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 this contractionary phase is going to have a difficult time turning around and moving into an expansion phase much before 2025. We just don't have the numbers. And now you don't have the beef cows to generate the heifer numbers that you might need to to do that. And so what we have penciled in here nationally is probably about 
a one and a half to 2% decline again in 2023. Now that's largely dependent on what weather is going to do. We are looking at uh, still a fairly dry drought monitor at this point and not a lot of hay. Um, as you mentioned, the Haystock report came, came out as well. But specific to Nebraska and maybe the Northern Plains, we're looking at beef cow numbers changing um, pretty substantially. Nebraska lost about 100,000 head. Um, now, North and South Dakota lost more than 50,000 head apiece. And so just that, that whole Great Plains corridor is quite a bit shorter on repl- on breeding animals than it was a year ago. And that's where we've really seen the biggest declines um, heading into this year. And so that's going to affect things like calf crops um, and, and prices relative to that. You just think about what's going on with the cow-calf sector and obviously the biological lag that we have here as compared to poultry and, and pork, just the amount of time it takes to get a heifer calf born in 2023, it's not going to calve till 2025. And, and that calf isn't really going to enter the, the feeder chain till 2026 in reality. So just the lag we have, and then these low cow numbers, low heifer retention, looks like there's not going to be a lot of heifers bred uh, this year in 2023. Is that accurate? That's a great synopsis. So we're, we are looking at just probably the biological impossibility of having a substantial gain in the cow herd this year. And if you look state by state across a few different things, you know, most of the the pullback was really in those that Southern Plains area, probably Kansas South, but Nebraska really saw a lot more changes than maybe I was anticipating ahead of the report. And so you guys are a little bit on that fringe of where they're seeing some of the bigger number changes. So one thing that we've been talking about a lot of different comparisons and nationally, it was a big year over year decline. And now we're looking at a cow herd similar to more like the 1960s, I believe. And so that's a pretty stark comparison to maybe where we've been. We have seen declining cow herd, generally speaking, we never really fully recouped the 2011 to 14 decline. And so it'll be interesting to see how many of those numbers we recover in subsequent years. But something to keep in mind is that we're adding more pounds to to every carcass. And so from a productivity standpoint, that might not be quite as bad as it sounds, I guess. The very likelihood that we will not come back to previous levels seems pretty high to me at this point, just based on what the cost outlays are right now. Yeah, I think as we look at slaughter weights, I mean, just speak to that a little bit. What are we seeing happening in terms of cattle going to harvest and carcass weights right now? So in terms of general general trends, we do usually add pounds per carcass annually. If we look at where the slaughter data is today, that can ebb and flow a little bit depending on seasons. Like right now is typically a higher time of year where you see higher dressed weights. But generally speaking, we add about a pound to a pound and a half every year annually. Now, will that ever change? Possibly. Um, but that's kind of the trend we've been seeing over, over a fairly long time period. Some things that do happen, though, depending on what's going on in the short term, things like feed costs or the price of cattle, you can pull cattle ahead or slow them down a little bit. 
uh, depending on days on feed and where economically that makes sense. And you can see that end up in the, in the weights, weather sometimes affects it, especially this time of year, if it's very cold, which it has been in here in Denver. And I'm sure by you guys, you've had a couple of weeks where the weather has been fairly, fairly cold, um, even for you this time of year. And that's expected to drag on weights a little bit in the short term. And so it's a little bit of a moving target week to week, but generally speaking, those are the trends. So we look historically at scenarios like we have right now, where we have high feed prices and cattle that are going to be in high demand because of a short supply. There seems to be also some historic trend to have cattle be on feed longer because they're getting paid more for those pounds. Is that something you expect we might see going into 20 through 2023 here? Or what's, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, you're going to enter a weird time of year where cattle prices and beef prices, I think, are going to stay elevated through this contractionary phase. And so there may be incentives, depending on what corn does and what kind of grass there is out there. The incentives might not be as clear cut as, oh, every pound is going to add an additional X revenue. There might be situations where you actually pull cattle ahead because of where they are in the calendar year. And if you can capture a little bit higher um, price point. Uh, But I think generally speaking, we saw number of days on feed elongate quite a bit during the pandemic, not by choice necessarily, uh, when we had all those slaughter plant closures. And then through different mechanisms, days on feed really has continued to be at a rather high level. Now, some of that's drought placement. Uh, When you place an animal under 600 pounds, it just needs to be on feed longer. And so to talk about it as, um, as like a general trend, I think it matters. We've been in a unique environment. We're just lately between drought, COVID, placing large numbers of light animals. We've just had longer days on feed, but I'm not sure that piece of it will stay that large, you know, in the, in the two to three year time frame. I think when you, when you flip this cattle cycle, you might see things pull back quite a bit in terms of how many days on feed there are. So speaking of feed, the haystock report was certainly low. In fact, going back a long ways before we've been this low on hay. What are some of the implications of that? If you're buying hay, it was notably a, not a very friendly report. Um, nationally, we were down about nine percent in terms of total in terms of total hay stocks, and that varied a little bit around the country. But almost all the states were down. The majority of states, I guess I should say, had stocks lower than a year ago. And one of the important things to keep in mind in terms of hay stocks is it does not break out alfalfa compared to other types of hay. And so you're just looking at it kind of eyeballing what you think that production mixes in that state and basing it off that. Alfalfa really lost, you know, about 2% of acres last year, uh, which was their big driver for maybe potentially the decline in um, stocks, um, well, definitely in production, and then therefore probably in stocks. Other hay um, took a little bit more of a yield hit than alfalfa did, and they also had declining acres, but the majority of the decline really was seen in those other hay numbers. And so anyone buying alfalfa, feed yards, dairies, et cetera, those are really the usually the high dollar, high premium uh, types of products. But now you're in the situation where a lot of the Western states have other hay prices either at alfalfa prices or higher. It's just not there. 
And so when we think about what does this winter look like? How much hay is available? Do we want to hold on to cows and maybe stop culling or, or add heifers? All of that's going to depend on what the carrying capacity is of these operations. And after three years of being beat up by drought, pasture and range conditions are going to struggle to come back, I think, inside of one year, even if we get just a fantastic level of moisture. I think the situation is that bad in some areas. Now it it's probably not universally that bad. Uh, and so you might have pockets where expansion could happen in the short term. Um, but really, if you're buying hay before this coming year's harvest, it is going to be so expensive to do so. And I think for that reason, it's going to be very difficult to expand. But unfortunately, all these things are going to kind of turn on a dime like they did in the last cattle cycle, where all of a sudden everyone has the carrying capacity and they all want to expand. And I think you are going to see that situation again, where uh, breeding animals just skyrocket. And um, I think there's going to be some big opportunities to sell bred heifers at some point. 2023 might be a little early. You might be more like 2024, 2025. But because we've already slaughtered so many, so many heifers, you're going to lose, you're going to kind of miss a year in terms of improving genetics and that kind of thing nationally. And that's going to be a pretty different situation, a little bit unique. And I think when, when the profits and carrying capacity and forage all line up, that's when you're going to see just an explosion in those, um, in those cow replacement cow prices, bred heifers, you know, anything of breeding age is probably going to be very profitable to be selling. Well, just to back up a little bit, you mentioned hay stocks and just looking at the December 1st, 2021 to 22 change. I mean, you look at the big cow states, places like Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas, Missouri, uh, you know, Nebraska was down 35% in terms of hay stock 21 to 22. And 2021 wasn't a fabulous year in terms of hay production. So we just look at the shortage of hay. Uh, there's going to be tremendous demand for this year's hay crop, even if we have a lot of moisture, because people are going to be wanting to have some hay on hand. Uh, that's really going to shape, I think, uh, hay prices for at least the next year. So what we have out there is last year was a record high, nationally a record high price for other hay. You're going to be very close to that this year and might outpace it depending on how at least early cuttings go, probably. And the same thing for other hay, you have already hit a new record high within the last marketing year, and you potentially have it, the possibility to hit it again, because I think you're exactly right. This is going to become a risk management strategy to have, you know, one year's worth of hay on hand or, or whatever you can, you can get by with to help ease that problem uh, that maybe some folks faced in the last couple of years, because it's been several years now where we have seen declining hay stocks. And I think this cold weather uh, isn't going to help that situation. You know, two years ago, I believe we had kind of a mild winter. It wasn't that bad. And so maybe the disappearance wasn't quite as strong, but I think you're absolutely right. We're looking at sustained high hay prices probably through the next marketing year, which is going to begin here on May 1. You might get a little bit of break late in the summer if, if you know, first, second cutting are, are excellent. But the other thing we saw last year was because of such high fuel prices, some of the hay producers forwent cuttings in order to save on fuel. So you're running that tractor 
you know, a few less times across that field and doing things like that, which does have some yield implications. Now I, I realize oil's come down a little bit, but it's still, you know, knocking on 75, I think today, so definitely $5 a barrel. Um, and so it's not cheap oil by any means. And so things like that might shape that picture a little bit more than it has in other years. And the corn situation, you know, hay prices are going to probably remain elevated, whereas corn really is expected to come down. I think we're going to get a quite a big acreage bump here in um, June for the June acreage report, but we'll have to wait and see. So potentially it's a little bit better situation from a total feed cost outlook, but hay certainly doesn't appear like it's going to, it's going to come down anytime soon. I think the other interesting thing in my mind, and I don't know that there's data to support this, but we just look at the cost of labor, the cost of equipment, harvesting hay tends to be fairly labor intensive as compared to some other crops like a grain crop where you can have a custom done, bigger equipment. Uh, You know, hay just requires more operations frequently. I got to wonder if that's not shaping some of this as well. That's an interesting thought and I wouldn't doubt it. I don't know how much you know, in siling, things like that would help, or if there's you know, some some changes they could make on that side to make it a little less labor intensive. But I think agriculture's had a labor labor shortage for a long time, and now that the now that everywhere else is also having a labor shortage, it's probably just exacerbating that problem. Well, interesting data, interesting outlook. Anything else to add to this as we point towards wrapping up? So we really are in an environment where the contraction in total cattle supplies, right? We've seen it at the beef cow herd. Now we're seeing it substantially. So at the replacement level is really going to lead to a year on year trend of increasing prices from here on out until probably this cattle cycle turns and maybe even like one year past or two years past where you see the beef cow herd start to actually grow. And what that means is we will potentially be tracing prices up, especially on the calf and feeder cattle side. The big question to me is, where's the U.S. economy in all of this? And does that limit the upside on the you know, live steers? We haven't seen maybe a lot of limitation, but this year, I believe we gained 17% over last or 2022 gained 17%. Um, price increase over 2021. That's an enormous year-on-year price increase. But if you look back through history, when you have these sharp, sharp declines in the beef cow herd, generally speaking, you're going to see a fairly large price implication in the next few years. And so what we have laid out is some fairly aggressive prices on the calf side. You've already been at $2 now, but the question is, where is that top? And do I think we'll see $3 calves at some point? Yes. Whether it's 2023, 2024, maybe 2025, I don't know. But 2022 was also rather unique in that cow-calf producers faced some pretty strong escalations in price as well. And so maybe the margins weren't quite as good as what calf prices might have suggested. And so it's important to look at both sides of the equation. I also think the possibility of having another year of drought is very scary. It's that involuntary calling of animals that that makes the situation very tough. Um, And there's not necessarily, especially after this many years of managing through drought, that there might not be that many other levers they can pull. And so that's where the hay, the cost of doing business um, might eat up some of those gains in price that we've seen. And so it's going to be an interesting couple of years. 
but really appreciate your time today. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Well, for more information on the topic that was discussed in today's Beef Watch podcast, again, Caitlin McCulloch is part of the Livestock Market Information Center. They do have a website. You can find her contact information there.